0: The new bulletin is out. It says the gospel, the power of God for salvation. And in this bulletin I wrote just a few points around sharing a loving and accurate gospel message. And I doubt that I have covered everything. I doubt that in seven points I could really explain the whole gospel. But at the same time, I just wanted to give you some handles, some bullet points, just some idea of what is the gospel, because we as a people as Christians, are here because of the gospel. If you haven't received the gospel, maybe you're just here to inquire or learn more. And I hope in our preaching you will hear the gospel in various ways presented. But the gospel is an invitation to all to receive righteousness, imputed and not earned. So the gospel is an offer. It's an invitation to receive righteousness as a gift. By believing, that's how you receive it. It's given by grace and it's received by faith. You receive the gospel, the good news of salvation. You receive it by believing in God. And not just in God in any kind of way, but in God's offer of salvation. You can't receive the grace of God, this gift of salvation, unless you believe that it's a gift from God, given in the person of Jesus Christ. So you won't be saved by just faith. I'm sure that some good person of another religion could say, I believe, I have faith. I bet if you go out into the rural areas of Madagascar and you search for somebody who believes in a tree stump, you will find someone who believes in a tree stump as their God. And they will have sincere faith that that God is good to them and they believe in that God. Or you'll find somewhere a New Ager who believes in harmony and peace And whatever it is, inner happiness, if they can find it in there. I've looked, I've found a lot of junk in my heart. But if you can find it in there, inner happiness, and their belief, their faith is sincere. But it's not saving faith because they're not believing in the offer of forgiveness in Jesus. They don't believe in God as God has revealed himself. They believe in some other God. And some people think that if you're just sincere in your belief, whether it be in Jesus or some other religion, God will accept you. But He won't. Because the offer of salvation is only made in Jesus. Jesus Christ is God, the Father's offer of salvation to you. He is the way, the truth and the life. So we believe in God who delivered Jesus to die for our sins. Jesus really died, literally. Some people don't believe Jesus died. Some people believe he just suffered on the cross, and he kind of went unconscious. And by some mistake, they buried him, and that's why he was alive and why the tomb's empty, because he didn't really die. That is not the gospel. That is not the gospel. Jesus wasn't just a good example. He was... An atoning sacrifice, which means he died to pay for the price of sin. Because the Bible says the price of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And so if Jesus didn't die, we are not forgiven. Jesus died dead. Literally, you don't bury a living person unless you're trying to make an episode of CSI. So Jesus died and he was buried. And the reason scripture tells us he was buried is to confirm again that he died literally dead. And God raised Jesus for our justification. It was a bodily resurrection. Jesus was not metaphysically translated into a spirit that emerged through the stone. The stone was rolled away so that the body could walk out of the grave. And when they went looking for the body, the body was not there. Jesus was raised bodily. And this is important because we have a hope that one day we too will be raised. Us. God loves all of us. He loves the physical, material creation. He created when He said, let there be light, and there was light. And He created birds and animals, and it was good. And He created us, and it was good. Don't fall for the false doctrine that says that the the flesh and the physical is worthless. It's precious to God. That's why we take care of our bodies. That's why we want to feed the hungry. Because God loves and wants to redeem all of us. And at the end of time, He will raise us. Even if you were cremated, even if you were blown up in a a space shuttle, if you know God, He will raise you into a resurrected body. But it's a bodily resurrection. That's what the gospel proclaims. That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus was raised bodily, and that is our hope. 1 Corinthians 15. You can go and read it. I've put it in the bulletin as as a reference. Go read 1 Corinthians 15. It says, if Jesus was not raised, then we are... We are fools. We are to be pitied more than any man because our faith is worthless. But he was raised and the tomb is empty. And that is why, point number seven, we declare Jesus as Lord. Our salvation includes repentance, repenting from trying to save yourself by your own works and your own good deeds, turning towards God's offer of salvation in Jesus Christ and receiving it by faith, saying, wow, that's so good I can hardly believe it, but I will. I'll take it. Jesus as my savior and repent and turn away from all sin. We don't stop sinning in order to make ourselves acceptable to God. We've repented from trusting in ourselves. We are born again. We are new creatures in Christ. You know it when you are saved. Your heart beats with life, new life. We walk in newness of life. It's not legalistic obedience, but a loving response to God's grace poured upon us. That's why I don't want to sin. I don't want to sin. Because it grieves my new heart that God put inside of me, and it grieves the Holy Spirit when I sin. I want to stop sinning, and I try to resist sin in every way because I want to please God, because I love God, not because I want to earn my acceptance. My acceptance comes from salvation Jesus' righteousness given to me, Jesus' righteousness credited to me. What a gift! What a gift! Salvation is a gift, it's not earned, it's imputed, means it's put upon you, stuck on you. Yeah, God says, take my righteousness. If you want to take it, all that you have to do is believe that the offer is real. Believe in Jesus, repent of believing in good works that can't save you. And this is the theme of my message this morning, our witness depends on our revelation. Our witness depends on our revelation. I want to build up our faith for personal proclamation of the gospel. That's why I did this bulletin with a list of what is the gospel. I want us as a church to have an idea of what the gospel is so that we can process it, put it in, think about it, read scriptures, store it up inside of us, meditate on it, look for other people who tell you more about the gospel than I've told, and Make sure you understand what the gospel really means. Because once we've taken a hold of it that way, we can give it to others. You meet someone on the street, and something of the gospel can come out and minister to them. You see, I think as a Christian, I have failed to testify of Jesus sufficiently. I can f- preach from a pulpit, but that's... that's semi-artificial, it's not letting me off the hook, it's not allowing me to count myself actually as doing the work of an evangelist the way Paul said to Timothy do the work of an evangelist how many of you have put your hope in evangelists big letter E oh God, let Billy Graham do it, oh God, let Reinhard Bonnke do it, oh man, I'm so glad somebody's getting people saved it's like I've done that I've comforted myself that there are gifted people out there getting people saved because I know people need to get saved. But I'm, I'm not really living in the mandate that God has for me as a believer if I'm not proclaiming the gospel. It's not, a, it's not a law, I'm not doing it to earn favor with God, but there's something in this great commission that Jesus gave us that said, make disciples, teaching them. In, in Mark it says, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel preach the gospel. Which of us here is excluded from that charge? None of us. None of us, not one of us is excluded from that charge to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. But then I look at my week, I look at my friends, think we're all guilty. See, we're doing everything else, everything else but preaching the gospel. We're counseling one another, We're encouraging our friends when they're down, we're SMSing scriptures that make them feel better. Hey, it's good. Not opposed to loving one another as the body of Christ and being nice to others. We've I've expended hours, hours trying to understand how we can address issues in this nation, praying to God that He would give us some kind of a revelation, not just me, Yandji, Matthew, Santerica, anybody, Lord, use a donkey. If there's a donkey amongst us. I don't, I don't mind. But, but God, give us strategies on how to, how to help this nation. There are, there are destitute people around us. There are people whose traditions encourage them to have children when they're 14 years old. And may they have seven sons and seven daughters and they are dying. It's, it's a, we're in amongst a devastating situation. And I'm thinking maybe God can give me the next big strategy to change the world. But I'm not preaching the gospel. I believe we must understand the gospel, then we must believe it, breathe it, live in it. And we must live in the year of God's favor. What do I mean by that? The gospel is announced as... Favor from God. It's a gift given to us and it's available this whole generation we're living in. From the time Christ came until the time Christ comes again, we are living in the offer of that gift, the good news. Good news, a generous gift, an offer from heaven. The favor of God is towards mankind. If you look around the world, don't side with the silly men who say, oh, that earthquake was the judgment of God. It may have been, but in general, we are living under general grace in the favor of God because the offer of salvation still stands. Today, if you hear, do not harden your heart, but accept this message. That's what the gospel is. It's a today message. And so we as the church, as individual believers, are commissioned to preach the gospel as the favor of God towards mankind. Because when Jesus comes back a second time... There is no more favor towards mankind. It is the judgment seat of Christ that follows. The great white throne for the unsaved, the judgment seat of Christ for the believer. But judgment comes. So now is the time of favor. But what are we doing in the time of favor? Are we building with faith? Do we have an expectation that God will do abundantly more then we can ask or imagine. Isn't that in the Bible? Should be. Ask. God will do abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. It is in the Bible. Just want to go to an SMS and tell you this morning. I was thinking. I want to preach to this church something that captivates our hearts about God's desire to bless us. That He wants to do more for you and for me than we think that I wanted to preach something that would make us ready to share the gospel because we actually expect God's favor in the process of proclaiming the gospel. And I get an SMS that says, give it horns today, which means go for it. Give it horns. That's what the, you should have watched some of that rugby. The supporters put horns on. Give it horns. Go for it. Not sure what your duties are today, but I do know that God smiles on you and wants you to succeed way more than you can imagine. That's the SMS I received when I had planned to come and tell you God plans for us to succeed way more than we can imagine when we share the gospel. Pete Howard Brown sent it to me this morning. He's a good guy. He occasionally sends an SMS to encourage me. See, it's good. I hope he's also preaching the gospel. (laughs) So we send encouraging SMSs, but that one's particularly encouraging because it's given me faith that this morning God will impart faith to you. That his desire is to bless you as you go and proclaim the gospel to men and women and children. And as we see them baptized, that this is the year of God's favor and that we as the church have a commission to proclaim it. And that as we proclaim the gospel in our faltering and small and human way, God will come behind it and save people miraculously. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. From start to finish, the Bible reveals a God of grace. A God of second chances. That's what redemption is. It's buying you back after you found yourself in slavery. It's a second chance. Adam and Eve... After they sinned, ah, God could have just killed them and started over, but He brought animal skins to cover their shame. A second chance. When you fail, when you sin, when you make a mistake, God comes and He forgives. In Jesus, there is forgiveness. He does not expose your shame. Have you ever noticed that? I've sometimes failed and I've thought, God, you're gonna, you're gonna find me out and you're gonna show others. And I've done something that I know will be highly embarrassing. And God doesn't expose it. He just keeps it private between him and me. Sorry guys, you aren't going to find out what I did wrong. Because God loves me enough to protect me from shame and to cover over my shame and my nakedness. This is God's grace and favor for us. He's still doing it. Mercy shown to the first murderer. Cain killed Abel. There was punishment. He was sent away into the land of Nod, a land of wandering. But he says, God, they'll kill me unless you put a mark on me, somehow make protection for me. What did God do? He did it. Mercy for the first murderer. Whatever you've done, it might even be murder. Seriously, you guys in the front row, you might be the holy ones, but there might be murderers here. (laughs) There might be somebody here who has actually done that. I want to tell you, Cain, the first murderer was still given a small act of mercy from God. And then, finally, the true guilty ones, all of us, go free because of Jesus. Noah was delivered from a wicked world, all worthy, even Noah and his family, worthy of condemnation, but a remnant was saved by faith. And Abraham was singled out for blessing. The most undiluted example of the gospel is Abraham. You might think, gee, how can you say that? Well, the cross speaks the completion of it, but the the announcement of it, the promise of it, is displayed in Abraham. That's why I love uh, Mark, Mark Devers' uh, description. He's written a, a brief commentary on the whole Bible. His one volume is on the Old Testament, and the other volume is on the New Testament. And he summarizes the whole Bible like this. Old Testament, promises made. New Testament, promises kept. Promises made, promises kept. That's the Bible. The Old Testament, God comes to Abraham and he announces the gospel to him. He says, this is what Galatians, he comes and singles Abram out for blessing. And Galatians 3, verse 8 says, the scripture foresaw. That God would justify the Gentiles, all of us, Jews and Gentiles, but the Gentiles too, by faith. And announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. All nations will be blessed through you. That's what God came and said to Abraham. We're going to look at some more of these scriptures in a moment. But when you look at Genesis 1 verse 28... Or well, 1 verse 27. says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Isn't it amazing? What is God's attitude towards you if that's how it started? If that's where God began with human beings, he said, I bless you. Be fruitful. What a blessing. For nothing. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. Adam and Eve were just created and God said, I bless you. You read that creation account. It's magnificent. Genesis 2 verse 2. On the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation you love it? He had done everything. All the work was done by God to do everything. And then he rested and he blessed it. And if you read Genesis 1 and 2, you will find only two places where God blessed, spoke a blessing. He spoke a blessing over Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful. And he spoke a blessing over the Sabbath. Everything else was good. Animals were good, birds were good, trees were good. Stars in the heavens were good, the sun was good, the moon was good, day and night's good, it's all good. But he spoke his blessing over mankind. And he spoke his blessing over the Sabbath. Now, what kind of a God blesses rest? What kind of a God blesses rest? I mean, you must have been thinking God wants work, God wants performance, God wants delivery. Do, 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 work, 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 earn, 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 serve, serve, serve. Even some churches make it seem like that. Ah, you're not doing enough. You're not, you're not visiting enough. You're not, this isn't, that's not enough, not enough, not enough. Work, 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 do, do, do. That's how the world runs. You can only improve your rankings at work if your sales goes up. You only get that promotion if you work harder than you're working. You only go forwards if you work, work, work. But the Bible creation account says, God... Rested, and he blessed that. And he did everything, it says. He did the work he did, the work he did, the work he did, and then he rested and he blessed that. He blessed us to be fruitful, and he blessed rest. It's magnificent. Why am I saying that? I don't know. Someone here will see it. That God actually is so much for us, that he did everything. And then he said, just rest in that. Just rest in that. That's why Hebrews says there remains a Sabbath rest for you to enter into. You have to enter into the Sabbath rest. It's not about the seventh day and not doing anything physically. It's about your spiritual striving. You're worrying about being accepted. You're, You're doing more in order to be a better Christian. No, no. God blessed you first before you did anything. And he said, be fruitful. And then he said, and rest. Enter my rest. I blessed that. I blessed the Sabbath. And He's blessed us in particular. He confirmed this blessing that He gave to Adam and Eve again to Noah, in case Noah didn't remember. God blessed Noah and his sons. This is Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth. The same blessing, just be fruitful. The fear and dread of you will fall upon the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you green plants, I now give you everything. Wow. Think about it. Adam and Eve. Perfect. Vegetarians. No bloodshed, no death. Sin comes, people are evil, wicked, a whole generation of of wicked people that God wipes out in their wickedness. But he saves Noah because of Noah's faith in God. Noah believed God was good, obeyed God, but it was his belief in God that caused him to build an ark. And there is Noah. And Noah and his sons, God says to you, you know what, he doesn't say, oh well. You guys, human beings, you've been wicked, so I curse you, you can only eat celery. No, he says, you could have all the plants, now you can have everything. So, there you go, vegetarians, no more need to be vegetarian. God blessed Noah and said, now you can eat everything. Now, this is peculiar, because we became worse and God became better. We messed up as a whole human race. That's what happened before Noah. And after Noah, God says, well, here's your punishment. You can have an even more diverse menu. (laughs) Can't you see the incredible goodness of God? His grace and His nature. Sure, I know if you're a mechanical theologian, you'll say, oh, but there was now bloodshed and so you could eat meat and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm telling you, God was good to us. To say you can have everything. To say it will be given to you. You won't even have to earn it. What a gracious God. And then we move on to God's special revelation of himself to a special people. The beginning of his covenant people. That I will be your God and you will be my people comes alive in the call of Abraham. In Genesis 12 verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household. You have to leave in order to cleave to God. And go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I'll curse. In other words, I'm on your side. I will stand with you. If people fight against you, they're fighting against me. And I will fight against them. If they curse you, I will curse them. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What did Abraham do? Here's Abraham. Working, getting money, building up some treasure, becoming quite a patriarch, quite a you know, he was a wealthy man, Abraham. And he had he he had amassed quite a quite an inheritance and then so he really doesn't deserve more, does he? But God comes to him and says I will bless you. Full stop. Oh yeah, and you also be a blessing to others. Yeah, yeah, you will. You'll be a blessing. Isn't that more of a blessing? Because it's more blessed to be a blessing, to give, than to receive. So I'm going to give to you and you're going to be a blessing to others. He was prophesying of Jesus, of course. But it's unmerited. It's undeserved. You're sitting here today, you don't deserve blessing. You don't. I don't. But God's good. That good. His grace is that big. From Adam to Noah to Abraham. He's just pouring out blessing. Blessing. Grace. This is still the season of God's favor. And all Abraham had to do was go. All he had to do was go. This is the gospel. The gospel was announced to Abraham in advance. It's an apostolic gospel. He had to go. He had to go and he had to become a nation and he had to take his inheritance and enter the promised land and proclaim the example of God's favor, which was all over his life. This is the gospel. All we have to do is go. The Great Commission is like the Abrahamic covenant. The gospel is a faith act. The gospel is a faith act. The blessing comes in the going. What do I mean by that? I mean, we as a people must be apostolic in our hearts, willing to go when Jesus said, Go into all the world and make disciples. We must be willing to go because the blessing will come in the going. When you go across the road to the person sitting on the other side of the road and you share the gospel with them, you are going. You are going from where you were. You are taking the gospel message and you're proclaiming it. The blessing comes in the going. When, when the Father God said, Abraham, I will bless you. Go, leave your father's house and I covenant with you. He's separating Abraham into a covenant of blessing, which is unmerited favor, and he upholds his side. God upholds his side. When you go with the gospel, God will uphold his side. If you take your mouth and speak the message of the gospel to your neighbor, your friend, your colleague, your uncle, your mother-in-law, God will uphold his side of it. You will be blessed. Now there's other ways of being more blessed that I've heard preached in the prosperity gospel. I've seen guys talking on television about how if you do so the first hundred dollars in the next ten minutes, God will do something spectacular for you. I don't think they half see. I don't think they a tenth or a fraction see the true blessing that is spoken to Abraham in the going. That the gospel is a going message and that you and I will truly be blessed when we go with the gospel message. Our witnessing and declaring the gospel depends on our revelation of God's covenant to bless us. Many of us are not witnessing because we don't believe God is that good. So we're afraid that when we go out we'll suffer rejection. We maybe have suffered rejection and we thought it's not working because we've looked at the evidence in front of us. That is not looking by faith. That is simply looking by sight. It's carnal. If you want fruit in order to fuel you, if you want to see fruit for your work in order to labor, you would never preach the gospel because some of that seed only bears its fruit ten years later after you've gone. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. When we go to proclaim to others the gospel, we must be living in the all things are are possible with God. That's where we live, when we preach the gospel to others. We're not thinking it's possible. Ah, I can convert this person. I can win this soul. If I'm eloquent enough, if I... If I say just the right thing, if I find just the right angle, if I get my sales pitch perfect, if I go on the right training course and I train up on how to be an evangelist, I'll get it right. No, no, it's impossible with man. Give up. You have to go with faith that God is going to do the blessing. With God, it's not impossible. Peter said to him, we've left everything to follow you. There's a good response. Peter's also kind of saying, so what do we get for our sacrifice? Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields, that means your money, your work, no one who has left those things behind, let go of them, No one who, no, anyone who no longer worships those things, for Jesus, for me and the gospel, he says, will fail to receive a hundred times as much, in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields. And with them, persecutions. This passage is in more than one of the Gospels. I chose the one that says there is persecution when you go and when you share your faith and when you live for Jesus. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be lost, and the last will be first. You know, I've found that when you put... The gospel and the the purposes, the mission of God before all other things, when you put it as your highest priority, whatever sacrifice you make, God recompenses you royally. What that means is God gives back to you more. Whatever you gave, God gives back to you more. More homes. Let me give you an example. Before I was passionately serving God, I had one place that I could live, and I had a few friends that I didn't really know whether they loved God or whether I could trust them. Now, I can go and stay in someone's house in any number of countries who I know who believes in Jesus. And by the time, while I'm away, I can leave my children with other people who will be mother and father to them while I'm gone. And if I'm in trouble, I get care that you cannot believe. A few weeks ago, you know, I was away in South Africa. I had to fly back to South Africa because I'd had a small operation that wasn't healing and I was struggling with the recovery. And there were two friends of mine in different different churches in South Africa that knew I was struggling. And after a few weeks of struggling, they phoned me up and they said, When is the next flight? We want you to come back. And they paid for it. They gave me a house to stay in. They set up an appointment with a specialist. And when I went to the specialist at the end of two appointments, which I don't know what they cost, but they wouldn't have been cheap, I went up to that desk to pay my bill. And the lady looked at me and she said, It's been taken care of. That's not right. I mean, I don't deserve that. That's not the kind of favor that anyone should have. But I I lived in a house with with a couple who lead a church who are older enough to be my mom and dad. And they just took care of me. They fed me. I didn't have to look for a hotel. I didn't have to look for transport. They gave me a car to drive if I wanted to drive a car. And they took me. The guy took me to the doctor. And he took me back again. And at the end of the day, I didn't pay one Ari Ari, one cent for that whole thing. I don't have a medical aid that will cover that. I have a heavenly father that covered it unmerited favor. Just like Abraham, I will bless you. I have more homes and more cars than anyone I know. Because God is that good. And it's all about the gospel. If you don't don't see this, your witness will be shallow. Because you'll be sharing your faith with people because you think you have to. You'll be sharing the good news because you think that Christians are forced to. I don't want us to evangelize because it's an evangelism program. I want us to share the gospel with people we meet because we know it's the good news. Because we know there is a good God behind the good news and he's been good to us personally. And when we know him that way, we want to tell someone else, you put your faith in God. Because in this covenant, he says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And you and I will be a blessing when we take the gospel to others. And God will come behind it supernaturally and He will save people. He will produce fruit that we cannot imagine. He will do more than you can ever believe in people's lives if you will be bold to preach the gospel. Call call it sharing your faith, but give it words. Give it Substance that comes out of the Bible, tell people Jesus' righteousness is available to them if they'll receive it by faith. Don't fall short. You are all theologians. You are all evangelists. You are all priests. You are all in this covenant of blessing. Now, we must be a blessing to others. I've got a question in my notes. Some have been looking to the fruit and their faith has failed and witnessing has ceased. Preaching the gospel is the one thing no one has to pray about. Is this the will of God? Is this his call on my life? So many prayers we pray silently. God, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? What have you called me to do? The one thing none of us has to pray about is, is the gospel our commission? Yet we're doing everything except preaching the gospel. Do we get it? That's the question I have in my notes. Do we get it? The real blessing is in going and giving up our homes and families for the sake of the gospel. God is for us. He wants to bless us. But if Abraham never went and we never go with the gospel, the blessing doesn't happen. I think we will enter into a realm of blessing I don't mean material blessing, I mean the true knowledge of God in a way that none of us here realizes yet if we start to share our faith with others. If you start to tell your neighbor, your friend, your uncle of this good news, I think we will taste a blessing that is heavenly, that you wouldn't be able to find on this planet if you searched for it. We as a church are going to go. We will go into the streets of Tanne in August. But before then, we'll go to our families and our work colleagues with the gospel, and God will pour out blessing on the nations. I don't know how to solve the problems of this nation. I don't know how to fix up the early pregnancies, the high infant mortality, the poverty. But I know that if I preach the gospel, God has promised to bless and be a blessing to this nation. You want to bless this nation? Let's just preach the gospel to people. Let's just tell them about the good news of Jesus.